every single thing we talk about this show, 100% is all leads back to the same fucking thing. This mass competition among people cannot build a just and decent society. It cannot work. No matter how much you try to make it fair, every single interaction in our system ends with a loser. Somebody has to lose. And we are now just surrounded by people that have lost. And I'm not just talking about homeless people. I'm seeing all of us are losers in this system. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. I'm Scott Schmidt. I'm here alongside my co-host and good friend, Jeremy Appel. We are here with our editor, producer, and all things in between, and the ever-silent Mo Cranker. How's it going today, fellas? Not bad. I, uh, I moved yesterday, so I'm at a new place. Uh, my life is mostly in boxes right now. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, Mo saw you driving on between between places yesterday and said that your car was more full than normal so he figured you must have been moving some stuff yeah i I mean i i had movers but there were a few like small things uh by a few i mean like a dozen or so like my broom swiffer Swiffer. Um, yeah um but yeah now i uh live in a new place um it looks bright yeah, no, it's great. I love it. It's a like hundred year old building. But you're on four. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not doxing. Yeah, but you're, you're where you're where you told me, right? Yeah, I will tell you because what you're getting at is <laughs> the address of the building is four twenty. I'm not. Gonna well, just everybody story. knows that. I mean, you're you're fucked because everybody knows that building in town. So yeah, I don't care. As soon as you say that, you're. It's good. It's fine. You're gonna be. You're fine. Yeah. But when I when I saw the address, I was just like, nice. Yeah, I mean, my wife thinks that eventually I'm gonna get like dragged out of the house somehow or beaten up, but it hasn't happened yet. Just just the mayor. Showing Beat me you his... up? No, he just showed me his finger. Oh, okay. he gave you a one finger salute. Yeah, he, he I told... thought maybe there was like a development in that story. He showed me two fingers, actually, and I think went, that's why he did it the second time, because the first time he showed me the wrong one, and he thought better of it when he got did, to his car. He showed you the ring finger? Nah, he just wagged his index finger at us. Oh, yes, that's right. right. <laughs> anyway, I think our listeners can already tell that this episode's going to be a bit of a yard sale. We, uh, If you really want to blame somebody for where we're going with today's episode, you're going to want to blame Markham Hislop. That's, that's right. What's at his- political ham on twitter this is his fault entirely well it's somewhat his wife's fault actually but we've never actually met his wife so it's hard for us to blame it on her yeah we're not gonna let him but i mean like yeah he he got out of today's episode because he said he had to go pick up groceries in nanaimo like why don't you just tell us you have a headache 
We get it. What, yeah, you don't want why, to come on. Because Merkham, where, where's Merkham live? He lives on the island. He obviously oh, lives I, near Nanaimo. Yeah, I thought he lived in Vancouver, but um, that because that would be really weird if he was like, yeah, I'm It's going to take the ferry <laughs> across. Wow, they're but cheaper. anyways, uh, yeah, if uh, you don't like this episode, please send all your complaints to at political ham on twitter.com. Yeah. Um, I was, I was looking forward to talking about Mark, talking to Markham because uh, dude loves talking about energy. Um, he is like the energy guy. Like I was excited for you because you're always trying to squeeze in like a bunch of talk about oil and gas into every episode. And I was like, Jeremy, 45 minutes of pure ONG go. Oh, I was man. like going to sit back and let you guys argue. And it was going to be great. He was yeah. going to take us to school on all things. I don't know. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll have him on at some point in the future, but in lieu of that, we're doing a just us episode. Like a sadly just us. Cause we didn't even have time to invite Roberta on this morning. She's yeah. on next week anyway. So we're, we're, yeah. so we're just winging it. The only other time that we did this is by far our least listened to episode. So this one ought to get lots of play. <laughs> well, but our listenership has increased since then. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll get a solid hundred out of today. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's right. Which is amazing. Like a hundred of you are going to listen to this. Yeah. If you're listening to this episode for your, if this is the first time you've listened to our show, stop this episode and go back and listen to literally any other episode. Listen to our episodes of Jillian Raddy. Those are good. Yeah, they are good. So, um, okay. So I asked Twitter what we should talk about. I probably, I mean, I only gave them 20 minutes to come up with some things and Jesus, there was a lot. So we're going to, I think we should take, Jesus, even, uh, Oh, <laughs> Gil, so Gil McGowan uh, gave us some suggestions and I thought we should take a couple, one of those because I actually kind of want to talk about Bill 32 a little bit. But I also asked him to come on the show soon. He said yes. <laughs> Alberta Advantage just tweeted at us to say, at me to say, can you please ask Gil to unblock us? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually ready to ask that before you said that. Oh, that's too good. Yeah, Gilbert. Now nah, you'll have to ask, sorry, Albert Advantage, you're just going to have to ask him on your own show and ask him why he doesn't like you. They should get it. Gilbert, go on Albert Advantage. I, yeah, I mean. After, after for Yeah, Albert. let's, let's not, let's, let's just be happy that he's going to come on our show and we'll be able to talk about all of his, um, you know, all the, all the embedded, uh, like, relationship aspect to the NDP that the, AFL right. has right because I am told he is an NDP spokesman. I think he actually wrote the Constitution, is what I've been reading this week. So pretty pretty interested to find out about that. But anyways, Damn, that, guy's um, got that guy's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been, he was on our list from from the beginning of somebody we'd like to have on the show. So it's gonna be good. The other thing too is we've been trying to get Prav Gill on the show for like the last three weeks, but that's been falling through one yeah. week after another. So hopefully he'll be on soon so like i said when as as you're listening to this episode do know that we are going to be back to having our guests be the stars of the show sooner than later uh but let's get on with the subject here so do you want to talk about bill 32 yeah let's talk about bill 32 yeah i wrote a piece on bill 32 actually uh, all right well tell me about that piece and we'll go from there uh on a website called uh passage that's readpassage.com um that i would recommend you all read um the, the website, but also my piece. Um, so Bill 32 is, in short, 
a union busting bill. It doesn't quite make Alberta a right to work state as they're euphemistically called in the states, but it sets us on that path clearly. And I, I don't even think proponents of the bill would deny that. Uh, so what it does, well, it does a bunch of things, but in terms of weakening the labor movement, two aspects to it. The first is making workers opt in to what the government defines as political activity, which is- And you're, you're assumed opted out until you opt in. Yes, exactly. And that's an important distinction that I wasn't aware of until I wrote this piece that you're on, yeah, you, these, the union is starved of these funds unless you opt to give them extra dues for it. So it's obviously most people who aren't, may belong to a union, but aren't politically engaged aren't going to opt in because why would they? It's more money and they're told that this is political activity. And um, if you look at their definition of political activity, it's insanely broad. It's essentially whatever we decide is political activity. So there's that aspect. And that, of course, is a step towards making union dues themselves optional. And then what you have is what they have in the States, and that's right to work, which means essentially that you have a right not to join the union while benefiting from the concessions the union has earned from employers, right? And so it, it's obviously a union busting tactic. And uh, second of all, the uh, second component of this legislation is it places restrictions on picketing, which is, I think, very troubling and important in the context of Bill 1, which we spoke with constitutional lawyer David Kahn about, um, you know, a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Hard to keep track of time. So basically, what Bill 32 also does is prohibits picketers from blocking people from entering the workplace, which, I mean, a, a huge part of picketing isn't just holding up signs and chanting slogans, it's to shut down the workplace. And that means making it harder for people who are crossing the picket line to do so. Well, and there are already laws in place. Exactly. Like you, you can't, you, it's not like you could assault people. It's, it's not like it's anything not like, goes on picket line. That's right. It's not like currently picketers can do whatever the shit they want. Mm -hmm. It's, but, and this is the whole point of this is that some of the laws that they're putting in already ex exist in some fashion. Like there already is ways that an employer can, you know, get injunctions and things like this. So, but it's being sold, it's being sold as like, why, I mean, in Alberta, right? People here think like, well, why, yeah, why, why should, why shouldn't a, why should a union get to block or why should a union get to do this? Like people don't like unions very much around here. And so like. People don't like unions 
anywhere. <laughs> well, um, yeah. At least in North America, and that's because they've been demonized in the media, in popular culture, and in the political sphere. Um, you know, and, and that wasn't always the case, I don't think. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, it was pretty obvious that these leaps that were made in workers' rights were the result of labor action. But with the onset of neoliberalism, you know, we're, we're, we're told that uh, corporations and their brands are our friends. And unions are trying to disrupt the natural order of things. But, of course, disrupting the natural order of things is a very good thing when things are bad. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I get, I get why people like, I get when people like see like, let's say the postal union or something like that striking and they strike a lot. Right. Like they're, they're in yeah, cup W they're a good union. Right. Like it's, it's, that seems to be one that's in the news quite a bit. I just feel like maybe there's this like idea that public unions are too strong because in the private sector, even with the private unions of which we are all part of one, right? Uh, you are all part of one. Well, you're still in the union. Yeah, that's true. I am because I'm still getting benefits and stuff. It's not like our union has like a ton of like say in things it's not like we're it's not like we're getting a whole lot of like we've basically barely gotten cost of living increases in the time that i've been at the newspaper right we have five two five-year contracts we've gone through and in that time we've taken a few zeros and we've taken some like one percenters and things like this like it's never been i think the biggest raise we ever got was like two percent so I just wonder if there's this idea that because I don't, because my union isn't, doesn't have that kind of strength. Why should the public unions get to have as much say as they do? And there's a couple of reasons why public unions are strong. One, we already decided a bunch of decades ago that like the things that we have in the public sector are the, are really important things. We decided that the public sector should be healthcare and, it should include education and things like this. And so we pay these salaries with public dollars, right? But they're also, they're very important. And so there is some, like you need teachers, you need doctors, you need nurses, you need whatever, right? So there is some, when, when they're not happy, when nurses aren't happy, there's a little bit more power to that than when employees at in a mailroom, let's say at the medicine at news aren't happy, right? Like it doesn't have the same sort of public service to it, what we do. So that's one reason why public unions are, are strong. And the other reason I think is because their boss is democratically selected, right? Like essentially you are bargaining with the government, right? And the government can change if public perception of them changes. And so that's another thing, right? Like we can't, and again, I'm just using the news as an example. It's not because I think that we need to dissent or something at the news, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> we're, we're not going to, well, maybe you should, we're not going to sway public opinion on David Radler 
right? Like nobody even knows who he is. Who's they don't that? Give, right? Like nobody knows who he is. They don't give a shit, right? Oh, and well, he's he's the owner of Glacier Media. He's a former good buddy of Conrad Black's. He lives in on the I'm west fit. coast of Vancouver. I've worked for him for ten years. I've never one time spoken to him. Never once. Emphasis so. on former buddy. Well, I don't know. Maybe they are still friends. I don't, I don't know David Radler's personal life. Right. But the point is, is that if he like our union doesn't have as the kind of strength with glacier media as the AUPE does. Yeah. Right. Okay. So this is part of the reason why, but that is, what is it about the rest of us that are either unionized privately in the private sector or not unionized at all. What is it about the rest of us that we decided that instead of why should, how do we become stronger? How do we increase what we're getting? Why is it that we all like so many people have decided that the nurses have too much power? No, you don't have enough power. That's the problem. The nurses have probably not enough power for workers either. But it just seems that way because the public sector unions tend to be able to negotiate stronger deals than private sector unions can. Now, I, I want to talk um, about this rhetoric of restoring balance. To well, the and, that's the, and that's the name that's of the, the, name the bill, name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because I think there's a lot, a lot to pick apart there. When you go to work every day, do you feel like it's balanced? Like it's been skewed in your favor? Like you, for business owners aside, I'm sure they're, you know, the people, the rest, like the, the majority of people are workers. They work for somebody. When you go there every day, do you feel like it's balanced or it's unbalanced in the favor of you? You feel yeah. like, like you have somehow you've got your employer by the balls and it's not fair? Yeah, well, and that's just so. What are we restoring? Yeah, it's harking. It's like make America great again, right? It's harking back to this time that didn't exist. That where you know workers in management all work together as a team, right? Yeah, and that you know management were like the captains, the workers were everyone else, and they just did their thing it's never been like that it's always been skewed towards employers the of previous course. ndp government as listeners may know we we've got a few criticisms of but they did do quite a few things to make more balance in the workplace still again i mean a workplace as we conceive it under neoliberal capitalism is inherently imbalanced like, for example, just well, I'll just give you an example on your point there. I believe in this bill, it includes going back to being able to pay persons with disabilities less than minimum wage to do jobs. The NDP had gotten rid of that. Yeah. That, that, and see, this is the thing. So some people will argue, well, if, I'm, if I have to pay somebody with a disability the same amount as somebody without a disability, why would I hire the person with a disability, right? And this is, but it's, that's how we end up getting people being treated lesser than human, right? Like, it's like, oh, well, if you only have to pay 
pay them $10 or 11 bucks an hour, then you might hire them. Well, then we're categorizing these people based on, on what we perceive to be their limitations. And we've decided that they don't deserve the same rates as the rest of us because we wouldn't hire them if we could pay, if we had to pay them that anyway. So they, a job with shitty money is better than no job at all. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And so that's just an example of one thing that the NDP had done. Like, listen, there's no, there's no question that the NDP was far friendlier to like unions and, and the general worker than the UCP is. Well, I think most people, I think the Alberta party is probably more. Well, right. Unions right. And, workers and we, and we could, we could do an episode on things that we think the NDP could have done more of or better or whatever. And we've done that. Like that's, that's really not the point. They're the, the opposition. They have, they're an opposition to a majority. Who fucking cares what the NDP wants right now? Like right now, our government, the United Conservatives, are unabashedly coming after workers of all kinds. And so, like, also in Bill 32, right, is this overtime shit. So now, if you work fewer than 208 hours of overtime a year, they don't have to pay you time and a half for that. 208 hours is five weeks plus a day five weeks plus a day of hours worked and they're saying that you so that that until you work five weeks plus two days of overtime that you aren't you aren't entitled to being paid better for that extra time it's asinine and that's it's the second time that they've come after overtime pay since they came in just recently just two days ago it was i think i saw this fucking video that the ucp put up orange background talking about how like notley says she's not in bed with, or they're not in bed with big union bosses and then shows in their right shows in their constitution that oh yes we are or whatever and like then it finishes with like the ucp is friends to union workers while the NDP is only friends yeah. <laughs> with union bosses or whatever. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that rhetoric for a bit. Union bosses. Yeah, now, fuck. Here, here, here's, some, here's, a, here's an important difference between union bosses and boss bosses. Union bosses are elected. Mm-hmm. If you don't like positions your union boss is taking, you can get involved in the union and run against them. If you don't like decisions your boss is making, and I know everyone listening has, has a decision w- <laughs> right. your boss is making that they don't agree. They with. don't agree with. Tough shit. You have to do it. The yep. the only, in fact, the only means at your disposal to fight against it is the union, right? Yeah. It's fi- file agreements. Comply and grieve, as they say, right? Yeah. And so, sort of, you know, this paints workplace democracy or like the closest approximation we have of it, which is through the labor movement, as this sort of tyranny, right? Right. That you have these union bosses who aren't in it for the working people. Yeah. And and this is a, you know, this is a trope throughout North American culture 
right? This idea of the big union boss who's crooked. Um, and there's truth to that, right? Like, well, Jimmy, sure, yes. But at the same time, it's not like the same can't be said of management at every this, workplace, right? This is just like everything else in life. Like, not you have humans handling things. It's not always going to be perfect. No one that advocates for unions or strengthen unions is suggesting that there aren't aren't examples of union corruption even or people doing something they shouldn't be fucking doing like no one's saying that unions do nothing wrong ever we're saying that whatever example it is that you can come up with to say look at this it's not enough of a reason to no longer have unions it's the same as anything Look at this guy that abuses the fam the food bank. He doesn't need to go to the food bank. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we should burn down the food banks then because two people abuse it. Or welfare. Or CERB, for example. Whatever there is, like whoever it is that's out there that's decided that they are not going to go back to work even though they've been offered their job. I, I read something in Edmonton, like all these businesses are trying to get their employees back and they won't come back because of CERB. I say that with a grain of salt, but like assuming that a few people out there, like a few did that, is that a reason to, to, to not have CERB for the rest of the, of course it isn't. So unions aren't perfect, but union action has been responsible for literally every aspect of your job unionized or not that doesn't suck. Yeah. The fact that you get paid anything reasonable is thanks to unions. The fact that you are supposed to get overtime after eight hours and 40 hours is thanks to unions. The fact that you have safety laws that keep you alive and allow your family to be able to sue or deal, get money or whatever when you die on the workplace. That's thanks to unions. Your benefit packages. Those are thanks to union fights. The weekend. The fucking weekend is, is, is thank you to unions for doing that. And so I don't know if it's a lot of people that are my age were just born after the heavy lifting was done on a lot of these labor issues. And we just assumed that like everything was going to be, you know, because like there's this idea that like if you aren't capable of working eight hours a day for 40 hours a week, you're kind of a piece of shit. Right. And so now we're sort of saying, it's like, Hey, like we, we only care the, we care the most about the people in the workforce that are able to put in this kind of hours, but we don't care about them so much that we think that they should be paid beyond when they're being like uh, pushed over the limit. And so why do they want to do that? Because overtime hours are higher. Like for nurses, for example, they're always talking about nurses overtime. If you want to get rid of nurses overtime, you need to have more nurses. That's, that's how you do that. And so it's just like anything else. Is there going to be more overtime among the staff that are left at the Medicine Hat News right now? Because we are literally running on 50% capacity in staff. Of course, because the job is the same. The papers are already back to like about the same size as they were before the pandemic started. At least two or three a week are, right? And so you have all of these people doing more work. There's going to be more overtime. 
in order to get the job done. And so when you have overtime hours creeping up because these employers refuse to have the right number of people in order to get the job done, then they're going to be like, well, we don't want to pay overtime anymore. And the reason why that they're able to get away with it is because they're holding job security over your head, unionized or not. Your job security is, is held in front of you as a threat literally everywhere you work, everywhere you work. No employer, I don't, I don't care if you sell rakes at Canadian Tire, if you change oil at a chain oil place, you are working for somebody. You are working for some, you are working for somebody that wants the fewest number of you possible to get the job done. And they will push the limits of your productivity every single day. And and your job will be held in the balance. And we know this statistically because we have decades of statistical information showing productivity continuing to climb, continuing to climb, continuing to climb. And wages and job numbers did not go with it. Anyway. That was a bit yeah, of a rant, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm concerned that COVID is going to lead to an even greater decline in union That's membership and, and, and solidarity because everything you you just said is heightened by the pandemic, right? People, contrary to what you read by some shithead in the National Post, people want to get back to work right? Not just for the money. They want a sense of purpose. They want a regular schedule. We all like a routine. We all like doing yeah. things in the day. And, and so I, I fear that we're entering a permanent gig economy where it's just uber everything. And we're just all freelancers just trying to scrape by. And, uh, you know, what frightens me about that is that there's no room for labor movement because everyone's so atomized. That's right. And I well, mean, I, you, you do see encouraging, there are somewhat encouraging efforts for gig economy workers unionizing. But if you look at Fudora in Toronto, their workers vote to unionize. And then Fudora was like, okay, we're not going to operate in Toronto anymore. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this goes back to how the cards are so stacked in favor employers of the, yes, favor yes. that Every legislation, legislation like Bill 32 is just a kick to the teeth. Yeah. And to the small business people out there who listen to this when I say every employer, it's skewed in your favor. And to the small business people who listen to this and think, well, I have it hard, like it's hard I I have trouble keeping my doors open. Your competition is not your employee. Walmart's fucking closing you down. Yeah. That's why you can't compete. Chain restaurants, big box stores, you're getting killed by them. So this, I can't, I can't afford to pay 15 bucks an hour to everyone, or I can't afford to hire more people. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. We, you, sh- you are on the side that we're trying to advocate for. You're just as much 
in jeopardy, your job is in just as much jeopardy as everyone else's because you go to work every day with somebody far bigger than you, able to do far more for far less. You're trying to keep your doors open in a time where like, we're all like, oh, shop local and support your local business. Everyone knows that the hidden meaning to that is go spend more money here. And most of us can't do that. I mean, I don't want to shop at Walmart. Fucking hate Walmart. Yeah. But I, I do. I fucking do. I, I went into Walmart yesterday for the first time just because when you're moving and you need house supplies, I mean, Walmart yeah. has everything. And it's yeah. Cheap. It's cheap. And I hadn't been in Walmart probably since I moved to Medicine Hat like three years ago. Right. And I, you know, I haven't read The People's Republic of Walmart yet. It's good. But walking through Walmart, I was like, I need to read The People's Republic of Walmart because I, I know the argument the book's making. And I yeah. mean, the model they have, if we could seize control of it. It's a great book because they're praising Walmart, but also not praising Walmart, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there are certain, like the fact that they have everything. Like literally anything you could need. In this well, mass distribution is a great thing, right? Like yeah. Amazon, like, like uh, it was Ed the Sock. I we're so off topic here, but who cares? But Ed the Sock, fucking idiot, was oh, yeah. on. Steven Kersner. Uh, what a that guy's such an idiot. Anyways, yeah. he was tweeting about. I can't uh, believe I loved him. Honestly. He was he was tweeting about uh, Jeff Bezos being deserving of the trillion dollars that he's going to get to by 2026 right because he he had this great idea for this mass distribution center and so he deserves a trillion dollars you fucking kidding me like no other like we never would have thought of mass distribution like we couldn't possibly organize mass distribution of goods to people without making sure one human has a trillion dollars so dumb. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think that this is a product of this retrograde, uh, great man of history right. view that historical events are put into motion by these great, powerful figures and yeah. not everything else that's going on around them. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, got like, like, come on, who's working for nothing? with no rights at Amazon warehouses. It's not fucking Jeff Bezos. No. Yeah. And that's the thing is because he's allowed to get away with through policy making garbage fucking employee policies where he pays people like absolute shit, treats them like shit. Like it's the stories about it all over. Yeah. Like you can't go to the bathroom. And that allows him by doing that, that allows him to offer these bottom dollar prices that we all pay that on top of the convenience of it lures us away from all the other stores. And so again, I have no problem. Like this is why this whole system is stupid because it's not, we should stop competing with every, with each other over who gets to fucking send me laundry detergent not figure out how to make the mom and pop store viable in a world where, where Amazon will sell me the laundry detergent as well. Like this is the problem. Like we have to realize by looking at this stuff that like people, you, we, we, we can't can continue to compete with these giant corporations 
And so they're telling you that bills like Bill 32 that are restoring the balance, they're making, they're trying to sell that to the smaller business people or the smaller entrepreneurs, the people that, you know, hire 50 or fewer people or whatever total. They're trying to convince you that like your employees and their, their power to organize and their constant need for, you know, cost of living increases and shit. They're trying to tell you that that is the reason why you're struggling. On top of that, it's the taxes. You got to pay your taxes. And so the government and your employees needs are what is hurting your business or is what is detrimental to you. And that's not it at all. Of course, it's not it. And so if we force Jeff Bezos and at all to actually treat people right, we could, that would be the thing that I would like to see trickle down, right? Because it ain't going to be money, you know? I, the only trickle down economics I believe in is the blood of oligarchs. Right? The money, like, again, I'm this is so tangent, but who cares? So the yeah, money, the, all the money in the world that has been created over time, it's still out there somewhere. Like money doesn't just like evaporate or whatever. So like the fact that we have none of it and have to keep making more of it should tell you like, hey, like where'd all, where'd all the money go that we already had? And we've been convinced that this super fucking tiny group of people should have all of it and hoard all of it and force the rest of us to compete with what's left. And then we're forced to say, well, workers can't make this because we can't. How do I open a business if I got to pay my workers good money? And fucking, I can only hire six of you, so I cannot be paying you overtime because if I have to pay you overtime, we won't, we, I won't be able to afford it. And if I don't pay, if you don't work 10 hours, we're not going to get the job done. So none of us will have a job if I have to give you what you deserve. It's all, every single thing we talk about this show, 100% is all leads back to the same fucking thing this mass competition among people cannot build a just and decent society it cannot work no matter how much you try to make it fair every single interaction on in our system ends with a loser somebody has to lose and we are now just surrounded by people that have lost and i'm not just talking about like homeless people or whatever you want to how you ever want to I'm, I'm seeing all of us are losers in this system and so we allow governments to tell us oh man like there won't be any jobs if we don't skew things in favor of the business community that's not that's not how this ended up here that's not how we ended up in a shitty place it's never been too good for a worker no worker has ever had it too good there has never ever ever been balance in the workplace it has always skewed to the employer and sure not, we're not saying like in this system, like you can't make money, you know, if you run a good business or whatever, but you cannot be doing that on the backs of 
humans that need more than what you're able to give them. And if, if we can't, if our system can't survive with the smaller places paying a living wage to people, then the system is, we got to change the system. We can't do this anymore. You cannot just argue about whether people in Calgary should get a $15 an hour minimum wage when they need like 19 bucks an hour to fucking live there. Yeah. We need a $20 an hour. minimum. Right? Like even at 15 bucks an hour, most Albertans live in a place where that isn't enough. Okay. You get 15 bucks an hour. Well, you can never get married or have a kid. You can't take on ad expense. Don't worry about buying a house. Just rent from this fucking real estate mogul for the rest of your life. Don't worry about it. Like Mo and I talk about this quite, uh, not quite a bit, but every once in a while. Wait, like, who talks? Like his money goes a lot farther in his life than my money goes in my life. Because I have more, I am of a 43-year-old man's expenses. Yeah. He has a bachelor's expenses. But under the current, under the way we do things, like at some point you have to be able to like expand your life past like living in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. But when but, a quarter of our jobs are minimum wage jobs. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think the point maybe to wrap up is that we're <laughs> not competing against each other. We're told that we need to, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're told that there's only so much uh, work available and that someone's got to do it. And so, you know, be thankful for what you have. But Correct. really, we, and by we, I mean you know, the working class and are in this together. And that through collective organization, through democratizing the workplace or trying to reach some semblance of that socialism yeah through socialism we can reach our true common interest which is to each according to their need to each according to their ability well i I butchered that marx quote but you know okay but you can you can have you can have a world where everybody is given as a right all that they need to survive and still have i don't know whatever it is that yours your favorite thing that you think will disappear in this socialistic society where they think of like everybody rationing for like a cup of rice every two weeks or whatever like pull your fucking head out it's 2020 we have the technology we have the mindset we have the intellect we have the information we have the historical statistics to allow us to change our society into something that works better and these fucking losers that are always telling you that everything you say is socialistic and a failed failed ideology from you have no fucking clue what you're talking about that's and and it's such a boring retort to the argument that is give people what they need to be alive. The end. You want to have competition after that? Fucking knock yourself out. But we've already proven that when people start from zero, a group of those people are going to, through no fault of their own, end up staying at zero. 
and it becomes expensive for everyone else. If that's your, all you care about, if you don't give a shit about them. I mean, I don't like people very often. I fucking hate tons of people. People are annoying, but that doesn't mean that any human being shouldn't have everything that they need to be alive. Like not liking each other has nothing to do with socialism. We don't have to like each other. We don't have to be fucking singing campfire songs, holding hands. You don't have to love everyone. You should. Well, I mean, but you don't have, fuck that. No, you don't. Like it's, it's, it's in, it's illogical to ask people to like everyone. Oh, I'm not saying that. But you should want them to have everything they need. Like, there's no argument about whether someone should have everything they need. But isn't that a radical act of love? Maybe. This idea that even... That's basic love of humanity. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying every single person ought to be entitled to the necessities of life. I think that is loving everyone. Well, of of course. That's a basic love for humanity. But this is my point is I, that you can love humanity and hate a few humans. You don't have to love everybody you come across. But if, if, if anything you think about when you think about other people involves whether they should have a place to live or money for food or good pay at their job or hours that are reasonable or whatever if anything that you think about them involves that shit you suck as a human being i don't give a fuck what you've accomplished or how successful you are you're shitty you're shitty at being human and that's like a good place to end this i think so yeah our government aren't that good at being humans they aren't they aren't they don't have a collective humanity mindset so whatever they tell you no matter how they spin it no matter how good it might sound that day they're bullshitting you they're bullshitting you you're not their priority and it isn't just the UCP this is our society this is the this is where it ended up we ended up in a place where people are just fucking laborers who get paid like shit to do it. Anyway, let's wrap up. Yeah. Uh, next episode, next yeah. Just Us, we'll talk about alienation. And- yeah, so so our lineup, we got Roberta coming up. We've got Markham. will hopefully be August 15th now, recording date. Unless his wife. Unless he has to go get groceries again. Yeah, right. In Nanaimo. And uh, I think we're going to, I think we've got uh, Gil um, lined up and uh, Rev, Reverend Dave Pollard, if you're listening, you're on my fucking list, buddy. I'm oh gonna, yeah. I yeah, love that guy. So yeah. if he's listening to this show, we, uh, we want to have you on in the next few weeks too, because uh, you're, I would love, I got so much I want to talk to you about. Anyway. Yeah, I actually, get, actually, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when he's on, but let's get out of here. Anyway, to our uh, patrons who go above and beyond what we could ever expect. Uh, Chris Sterwold and uh, big red machine. You guys honestly keep us going. Um, certainly uh, it, it's covering some of the uh, costs that we, uh, 
we don't want to have to cover. So we really appreciate your guys' support. It, it allows us to do this every week. We do apologize for this sort of thrown together episode, but again, at political ham on Twitter, yeah. make sure you tell him that he fucking ruined episode yeah. cyberbullying works. 15 or whatever runs. Cyber bully, bullying works. That's right. All right. Do we have anything else to say? No. Oh, yeah. I'd say smash five stars on Apple, but this probably wasn't the best episode to do that. So listen to something else and then give us a five star review. Anyway, we'll see <laughs> you guys. You yeah, that's right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.